Hey moms, welcome to Grace for a Mom's Heart, a series of short devotionals created just for busy moms. Today we're going to be talking about Psalm 6. At first glance, Psalm 6 does not seem to have a whole lot to offer. So as I was preparing this devotional, it was tempting to skip it and move to one that seemed to be more obviously applicable. But I felt a nudge and that still small voice reminding me that every word of scripture is relevant in one way or another. It can be tempting to focus only on the passages that are easy to understand, but 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The message translation words it like this, Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped for the tasks that God has for us. Do you hear that? All scripture, even Leviticus, even Psalm 6. God did not aimlessly throw the Bible together. He intentionally put every word of it there. So it's worth the effort to dig deeper and find the messages that God has for us in these passages that on the surface can seem random and even meaningless. So let's read through the first 10 verses, or through the 10 verses that make up Psalm 6. O Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Have compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, for my bones are in agony. I am sick at heart. How long, O Lord, until you restore me? Return, O Lord, and rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. For the dead do not remember you. Who can praise you from the grave? I am worn out from sobbing. All night, I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. My vision is blurred by grief. My eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. Go away, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord will answer my prayer. May all my enemies be disgraced and terrified. May they suddenly turn back in shame." It's pretty obvious that David was struggling with a type of spiritual depression. If you're familiar or unfamiliar with David's background, he was anointed as king of Israel, but it was a decade before he was actually crowned. He endured some brutal times being hunted down by the reigning king who wanted him dead. And during his own reign, David made some pretty poor choices. To put it simply, he sinned before God more than once. One of those times, he had an affair with another man's wife and then had her husband killed. But David repented and cried out to God for forgiveness. You can find this prayer in Psalm 51. In spite of it all, God called David a man after his own heart. Likely because even though David blew it many times, he always ran back to God. We often think that we've blown it so badly that we cannot make a difference for Christ in this world. And that is exactly what the enemy wants. There is a reason that the Bible calls the enemy the accuser of the brethren. 
He wants to distract us and get us so focused on ourselves and our own sin that we completely forget that we are redeemed, holy, and set apart, not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus who took our place. The peace that can be really hard to embrace is the fact that we're broken. On this side of eternity, we will struggle with sin, but His grace is always bigger. His love leads us to repentance, and His power transforms us. We simply invite Him into the messiness, ask His forgiveness, and let Him bring the peace and change that only He can bring. As a mom, I can't tell you how many times I have blown it with my kids. At times when I was faced with the stark reality of my own brokenness, I remember telling my husband that if our kids turned out okay, it would be by the grace of God, only by the grace of God. Many times I have apologized and do apologize to my children and call out my own sin for what it is. Asking forgiveness from my kids but also from God. I want them to see and continue to see that while we as a people are broken, we don't have to be afraid because, of, because God's heart toward us is one of deep love, forgiveness, mercy, and grace. As we humble ourselves, He fills us with more of Himself. And that is far better and more freeing than any behavioral management that I could ever muster up. David's heart in this psalm is one of humility and brokenness toward God. We don't like to see ourselves as broken, but until we do, we miss the most powerful and transforming work that God wants to do in our lives. God says that a broken and contrite heart, He will not despise. Despise means to hate, detest, neglect, or reject. He does not respond that way ever to a broken and contrite heart. God welcomes those of us who come to Him understanding our brokenness and our need for Him, not just once, but over and over again. John Piper has this to say about the heart of David in writing this psalm. David will not be happy by himself. He will not be content until his brokenness heals others. God wants to use our brokenness to heal others. We often think that we have to have everything, or at least most things, together before God can really use us. God says otherwise, and he uses Psalm 6 to help reveal that to us. As moms, this is so freeing. God wants to use us in the lives of our children and the people around us, And we do not have to be perfect for that to happen. We just need to have humble hearts. Jonathan Edwards was an American preacher, philosopher, and theologian who wrestled with the feelings and thinking of the Christian life more than most. He said this about brokenness, gracious affections flow out of a broken heart. All gracious affections, meaning feelings or emotions, that are a sweet aroma to Christ and that fill the soul of a Christian with a heavenly sweetness and fragrancy are broken-hearted affections. A truly Christian love, either to God or men, is a humble, broken-hearted love. The desires of the saints, however earnest, are humble desires. 
Their hope is a humble hope, and their joy, even when it is unspeakable and full of glory, is a humble, broken-hearted joy. We will see the most progress in our growth as Christians when we recognize and embrace our brokenness, while also embracing the far-reaching and ever-faithful love and grace that is ours in Christ. I want to ask you a few questions. Do you see yourself as broken? Can you see how God works in and through brokenness? Do you believe that God is not only sovereign, but eternally good? In what areas do you feel like you need to humble yourself, bring your brokenness to God, and let Him transform you? I'd also like to challenge you to look up several verses on humility. It is truly an eye-opener and very, very freeing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the opportunity to spend time in your word and to recognize the truth that never changes, Father. Thank you that truth is not subjective. Lord, you have defined truth and, and truth is defined in your word. And today we have learned what is true about brokenness and what's true about humility. And I pray that you would give us the courage to walk that out. Not that we're walking um, in a uh, sort of self-detrimental sort of way. We we don't want to look at ourselves as self-deprecating. But Lord, we want to recognize that the good things, anything good, any fruit that's going to... um, be produced in our life that's eternal and worthwhile is fruit that you produce in our lives, Lord, that transformation that only you can bring. And that comes from having a broken and contrite heart, Lord, because with that humility comes great joy. We thank you for showing that to us today, Lord. Show us how to walk that out in our everyday life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.